Oh, baby, don't I got a doozy for you guys tonight. Episode 12 of the OI and Offside Hockey Talk podcast. Joined tonight by host of Offside Talk, James Roberts, producer Clark, producer of the Rod Peterson Show. Also, you can check him out on the Squadcast. Also joined by friend Alan Corkum, covers the Ontario Junior Hockey League. And of course, you can't forget the host of the OI, Jamie Anstey. Check out my new episodes every Wednesday on the Offside Talk Twitter account, iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast fixed, the latest episode will be there. So, we're going to talk about Vancouver Canucks, Toronto Maple Leafs. Unfortunately, in tonight's Saturday night, Hockey Night in Canada Tilt, Vancouver comes out on top 4-2. to two. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the hit on Carlo, the Wilson hit on Carlo, uh, trade talk, uh, the NHL trade deadline is April 12th, so we're going to talk trades, we're going to talk about everything NHL, um, but first I want your thoughts, James, on tonight's Vancouver Canucks and Toronto Maple Leafs game. You know what, it's the end of a long, long, like I just tweeted it, long road trip, you know, you're in the Western Swing, um, you had a high coming off those Edmonton games, shutting down Trisaitl and McDavid, you go into a game against the uh, the Vancouver Canucks, a team that's kind of been struggling this season. You're expected to win, um, but the legs weren't there. You look at both games, legs weren't there, whether it's the back-to-back or whether it's, uh, you know, this game tonight. You can tell they were kind of listless. I don't care what anybody says about Matthews, too. His wrist is not 100%. He's not ready to go. Um, I don't think Freddie's 100% either ready to go, but they put those players in. They expected the results. They didn't get it. But I say it's the end of a long-ass road trip. You need to now pause and, and uh, reset and look for the Jets because it seems like every team that creeps up, whether it was Edmonton, whether it was Montreal, now it's the Jets. You know, they're second place, and they're dubbed the ones that are going to overtake the Maple Leafs for the next spot. So maybe Leafs are uh, guilty of looking ahead too far against the uh, the Winnipeg Jets, but – you know, I think the gas tank was emptied against Edmonton, and you see what it is against Vancouver. And they were a team that needed to get some wins. They're more hungry, more desperate, and the legs look fresher on on, uh, on Vancouver. That's just my opinion on it. It's not an excuse, but I, I definitely say at the end of a long Western road trip, you get what you get. And when you shut down McDavid and Drysaddle for three games, I don't know, man. I, I'm pretty happy what we came out with. Does it suck to lose to Vancouver two times in a row? Of course. Of course it does. You want to win every game, but you're not going to. And we all know how tired people can get, how legs can get gelled. And, you know, you go back to Toronto now, you go home, home cooking, you finally get back around your family, your friends, and, you know, everything that means important to you. And you, you refresh, rejuvenate, and you go against the Winnipeg Jets. So we'll see what happens next week. But that's just my thought on it, to be honest. Is there another game versus Vancouver on Monday? And then do nope. they do it? No, no, okay. So I, I was wrong. Yeah, the next game is Winnipeg on Tuesday. Yeah, which is a, a three-game set versus the Winnipeg Jets, and they uh, they got shellacked tonight by the Montreal Canadiens. Nobody expected that going into uh, tonight's game against the Montreal Canadiens. So I know a, a bigger and better Winnipeg Jets team will uh, be ready to go when Toronto does play them next week. So as we all had the Winnipeg Jets in the top four with uh, the Montreal Canadiens, Calgary Flames, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, so they had a bad game, but they'll have a 
they'll have a bounce back game with Hellebuck uh, come next week. What else did you guys see? Oh, yes, for sure, James. What else did you guys see in tonight's game uh, that may have been different than uh, the 3-1 loss on Wednesday? We'll go with you, Clark, on this one. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think the Leafs were getting their chances. Uh, you know, the, there was a couple chances that they just missed. Um, you look back to last game, too, and there was that goal, or that it wasn't a goal, they missed, but... Uh, Matthews had that wide open net last game and uh, he almost looked like he took his time because he had he had such a clear uh, clear chance hit the post and then him and Demko were laughing at it afterwards because I think they're buddies uh, from the US days but uh, you know tonight I, I really did think that they had chances uh, you know maybe maybe snake bitten uh, maybe Demko's just the new uh, guy who shuts them down every time they play but uh, which is great because I have him on my fantasy team. So let's keep that going. Uh, however, um, you know, I except know, against I, Toronto, what's that? It's except when he plays Toronto, he can shut out everybody else, but not against the Leafs. Yeah, I didn't start him tonight because I was worried about it. So it sucks to be me, I guess. <laughs> I actually, I had Josh Anderson. I don't, I don't. Sorry, Clark. I don't know how many points Anderson, but I had him on my. Um, He's on my fantasy team, but I uh, scratched him tonight. I got. I know he had a gift of a goal. He got a nice rebound. It was like an empty net. And he just banked it in, so he had one goal at least. I got him on of, both my teams, and I got. And him of course, on the one. So. And of course, after thirteen ga- games, Besser uh, finally decides to wake up. He's he was also on the bench today. Um, I actually blame. I'm all out of sorts today. Um, once I seen Clark and Max on today's uh, live, I. Focused on that, forgot everything else, and my fantasy just went to shits and uh, had been drinking uh, children's uh, cold medicine all day. Found out yesterday junior hockey's back. I still think that's a dream. So I'm all out of sorts. But, man, I want to give a shout-out to Clark and Max. Uh, A a wonderful live feed today, providing great trade talk. Everything everything went... uh, when planned until that your show came on today, Clark. But man, um, I felt pretty good about today's show too. I must say, I, I, we we had a really good uh, a roundabout with the two of us, and I think we solved a few of the world's problems today. Uh, and you know, one of the things, and this is just leading up to, I was going to mention it after James mentioned uh, the Jets, but um, you know, one of the things we talked about was that we think the Jets are on the verge of something really good, and. Uh, I think they're just a, a nifty trade for a defenseman away from being just as good, if not better, than the Leafs uh, as an overall team. Uh, you know, don't shoot me yet, but, uh, you know, we were talking about on today's show, Max being the Predators fan, how a Matthias Ekholm would be a perfect fit for the Jets. And I know, Jamie, you were talking about it on some different threads and stuff, but um, we were debating what, whether, you know, the Leafs uh, and the Predators that talk between the two teams that has been rumored uh, would include Ekholm or not. And, you know, it just kind of came up that I think the Jets would be a better fit for an Ekholm. He would be on that second pair with uh, with uh, DeMello and it'd be Ekholm and DeMello on that second pair. What a shutdown pair that would be. So not to take it off track too much, but with the Leafs coming up on a three-game set with the Jets, uh, I think it's going to be a huge – it's it's a huge series for both of the teams. So uh, the Leafs losing tonight against Vancouver, it doesn't it doesn't put them in a terrible spot necessarily. Um, I've said all along I don't think Vancouver is as bad as their record. I think it's just a weird year. So 
you know, this next three games to me is going to, it's going to be a, a big storyteller in terms of what the Leafs really are, what the Jets really are. And then shortly after that is that window where the Leafs have only five games in 14 days. It's not that long after the Jets series. Uh, so it, it's going to probably be, you know, what do we really need to do in the trade market? And let's go do it right away. Well, you know, the trade market, like they said, they, they have to have that trade done, you know, very soon. I think it's March 11th with his target date. But you look at back, just Clark, to harken back tonight's game, you, you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the thing that was their, I think their Achilles heel tonight was trying to be too fancy. Yep. You know, the, the drop passes, the Mitch Marner yeah. missing passes. William Nylander tried to do fancy moves. And, you know, when they've been against it, against the grain or whatever you want to call it, up against the wall, they've done smart things. You know, they've circled back the puck to get the line changes completed. That wasn't done tonight. They've gone into the zone and, you know, they put the puck on net. Tonight it was a lot more of, hey, let's pass it seven times and try to get the perfect seam. You know, those things, like, and I'll go back to it, those things happen when you go back to your old mindset when you're tired and the legs aren't there. You go back to your old bad habits, and it's not the crisp, clean game that we're used to. And that happened a lot tonight. Look, like you said, Mitch Marner, a lot of passes were not on the seam. Even you look at, um, I remember Matthews was coming down in the Vancouver zone, and you know there was no way the pass was going to get to him, but the pass was still fired to him, and the Vancouver player broke it up. But the goal that was the the Hoglander like go ahead goal ended up being a bad drop back pass by Mitch Marner that didn't need to happen. You know, he had a clear lane to drive it either himself into the zone or to chip it in and allow his line to get in there and make some noise or get a change. He didn't do either. And that's what directly led to the Hoglander goal. And, you know, we can all say, oh, Willie, you know, you were silly flipping over the glass or whatever, you know, but it's still on the the penalty kill to, to defend yep. the penalty kill. You look at against them uh, the other night; they got a power play goal tonight, two power play goals. So the penalty kill has kind of gone sour yeah. against Vancouver, at least. So those are things Defender. you want special teams to be clicking against the good teams, let alone the bad teams. So tonight, I think it's a lesson for the Toronto Maple Leafs to learn: like, hey, when we keep it simple, which is the kiss method, keep it simple, stupid. You know, things go well. And it didn't go well tonight because you got a little bit too fancy, fell back into old habits, and the problems arose. And now the Toronto Maple Leafs look at the Winnipeg Jets and Clark. If they get at home, I'm coming to find you because that might be the problem that becomes the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if Vancouver or not Vancouver, Winnipeg can take two or three, they close that gap, and then they get a guy like Ekholm, and it makes you real, real nervous. Can we hold the bus for one moment? Um, there was a moment today during Clark's live feed. Um, I chimed in right at the moment that he said, okay, guys, got to shut her down. And I think he said it five times because he could have went for another hour. Uh, show, show's unbelievable, by the way. Um, <laughs> it was a weird show. Like, the, me and Matt, I texted Max after, um, and it's funny because, you know, we're not just a hockey show. We talk everything. Yeah. And uh, Jake Odorizzi signed with the Houston Astros right after we went off. Yeah. Air. Like, okay, Max, fire up the live. And we wanted to talk about David Savard, too. And that's yeah, why. Well, David Savard, yeah. So, uh, let's can we can we talk about that? I think today we covered Ekholm a little bit. Um, so, I was watching the game tonight. I um, had the earbuds on. I was tuning in also to a um, podcast in the States. They cover um, a number of U.S. teams. David Savard has no interest right now. Um, 
a reliable a reliable source in Columbus had mentioned that um, David Savard has no interest in re-signing with the Columbus Blue Jackets, um, and he is in the top fifteen with the uh, or he's in the top fifteen on the TSN trade bait board. Um, do you see maybe? Savard going to the Jets. Um, like we didn't get to talk about that today, as it was the tail end of your live feed. But hey, just you know, talk about David Savard. Does he fit in with the Jets? Maybe more than Ekholm. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it's more than Ekholm. Uh, I could see him going there. Um, but the hard part about the Jets, so like they have Neil Pionk, and he's locked down that top top two pair top pair. Um, spot on the right side dylan Demello's on the right side i like him a lot uh, as a defender uh so if you get savard it's almost like you're getting him to play your third pair which is fine um i i think ekholm fits into that top four way better because you can just slap him in there with Demello, and there's your second pair uh and i think ekholm is is good enough and max will tell you this and i'd i'd love it if max came in and gave us an ekholm scouting report but um, I think he's the perfect fit for what they need. We compared him on today's uh, Saturday Squadcast show to uh, basically a Jake Muzzin clone. Uh, maybe he's not uh, quite the same player, but in terms of what you're going to get, it's about the same type of uh, material as a Jake Muzzin. So for for the Winnipeg Jets to get that and throw that on their second pair, if they were to if they really want to make a move. Getting both of those guys, if they can fit it into their cap, which I don't know if they could, but I'd have to look at the cap situation. Uh, but they'd have to retain some money to make that work. But if they were to get both of those guys, uh, then you're really worried about the, that team because David Savard is a hard guy to play against. So if he's on your third pair, he'd be playing with a guy like Nathan Beaulieu. Uh, I'm assuming that if they made some trades, like a Billy Hainola is probably out of town, I would think. So it's probably a Nathan Beaulieu on the third pair with uh, with David Savard. And and then you're looking at a team with a really nice top six defensive group. Uh, and you can't really argue with that. Their forward group's already good. And they got Connor Hellebuck. So, uh, you know, Winnipeg, this is what I said. So sorry to Alan. I haven't let you speak in a while. I'll let you go. Let me let me give give me one more second. Then I have to take off no worries. five minutes. So uh, before the season, uh, me and Max uh, did our – predictions or whatever you want to call it i had winnipeg in sixth uh in the league or in the north uh i had toronto second because i didn't want to put them in first and jinx them so i put them second i had vancouver in first and uh i had montreal in third and then i put uh calgary fourth and edmonton five so i had winnipeg six and the reason i put them there is because I wasn't sure that blue line could hold up. Uh, and that's still their weak point, I would say, is their blue line. So if they were to go out and add two guys, that would almost eliminate my preseason prediction worries. And you're looking at a team that could go on an absolute tear. That's all I wanted to say. I have to take off. Let me uh, Give me like three minutes. I'll be right back. All right, guys? Good enough, sir. Alan, what's going on, my friend? I, uh, I actually didn't get to see the Leafs game. I'm going to quietly say this i was caught watching superstore no i'm joking i'm joking i'm joking i wasn't watching superstore i'm on uh, episode five um episode season five episode two did you watch any have you watched any of the superstore i have not my wife did she enjoyed it she caught up on it she was loving it but now which, she, I think she watched is everything. She on? she's not handy is she what season is she on right now 
you think? Whatever. I think she finished whatever uh, Netflix had. I don't know if they were up to five yet. I'm not sure, but whatever Netflix had on. Well, when you see her, that. when you see her, I'm on season five, episode one. And okay. If she's, if she's not at, at season five, episode one, if say if she's like season, well, if she's caught up, then she's almost like in episode. Excuse me, season eight, because I think there's like eight seasons or something. Oh wow! But anyways, uh, it's. I, I gotta get into this Yellowstone, man. I I gotta, I have to dig in and see if I can find ten dollars in my pocket because right now I'm <laughs> money's a bit tight. But yeah, while while we have you on, man, just tell me your thoughts on what you saw in the three one loss on Wednesday compared to tonight. Do you think we're trying to beat the Oilers in three games, only allowing one goal? Do you think they were on kind of a a cloud nine feeling and, and just kind of, Oh man, like we're, we're feeling so good right now. They, they forgot. They forgot to really know how to play hockey. Did you see that uh, like Wednesday and tonight's game or like uh, Clark, I'm just talking to Alan about um, maybe the, or maybe the Leafs beating the Oilers was maybe uh, helped them um, in a way that made them a little bit more co- uh, sorry, too comfortable. Like, yeah, they knocked off the Oilers three games. McDavid, Drysaddle, no points. But maybe do you think they're back at cloud nine and just forgot to play hockey when when it came time to play the Vancouver Canucks Wednesday and tonight? Like, what what's your thoughts, Alan? Well, I had a feeling there might be a bit of a letdown in that game because back to back after being so dominant against Edmonton, I figured Vancouver. I thought they might be in the game a little bit. I mean, I know they started Hutchinson, so that was an opening to see. But he Hutchinson did his job. I mean, he played. He's not so tired, but he did it well. But just they couldn't get enough chances. And as uh, James was saying earlier about tonight's game, I find both games this series for the least, they were a little bit too cute, I found. They were passing too much. They weren't taking the shots. And when you do that, that's – I mean, they were they had some good moments tonight. Like tonight they started a little bit lollygagging around in that first 10 minutes. They didn't really do a lot. But then they come on there late in the first, and they were really – putting it to Vancouver, and they got that tying goal by Tavares. But then they played well in the second. They got the go-ahead goal by VC, and then just seemed like in the third, they just shut down. I don't know if they finally the tank ran empty, and they just – they get that power play goal against, and then quickly they – Vancouver took the lead, and that was it. It just seemed like it was mistake after mistake. They were, yeah, passing the puck too much. They weren't shooting the net. And I do think, like James said, Matthews must still be – bothered by that wrist injury because he's not shooting the puck at all since he's come back like he's only taking a couple of shots and they've been very weak he's he's still battling like he's still playing hard like trying to get in there but he's not shooting the puck like we're used to you know he can just zip the puck on net and score or get a good chance but he's not doing that so i think if you're toronto if his wrist is bothering sit him down for a couple of games even against his big series coming up against the jets just sit him down rest the wrist because we'd rather have him ready to go late late in the season in the playoffs then right now they got a bit of a bulge. Even if they were to somehow lose three games to the Jets, they still have a one point lead over them. I don't think they'll get swept with the Jets, but I think as Clark and James said earlier, it's, it's possible for the Jets to win two to three against the uh, Leafs. Oh, I, said, they got I smoked, said that today. I they got smoked today. tonight by Montreal. Was a bit of a shock. I had a feeling that Canadians might win that game, but not seven one. Uh, well, do you put? Do you put? Pardon my. Uh... Pardon me for spelling bro, uh, brosore. Let's let's say brosore. What is their backup? Do you put maybe you put brosore in nets? Maybe oh, Brossois, uh, Laurent Brossois. Yeah, 
So maybe you put Bressois on Nets and give Hellebuck a break. You see a different game, but um, I didn't see any of that Habs game. But uh, just maybe just run down the the trades. Sorry, just run down the trades there, Clark. I know you stepped away for a little bit, but um, yeah, I got the trade bait board up in front of me here. Um, it's unfortunate. Like, the really, really in the top 15, Ekholm and Savard, they are the top two. Savard is at $4.25 million. Uh, Matias Ekholm is at $3.75 million. So Ekholm is actually cheaper than Savard. Um, but then he has you got... another year on his deal as well. Savard's a free agent after this year. So keep that in mind. Correct, yeah. Oh, the UFA, yep. And then you got Montour. Um, I believe Vince Dunn. Has a Stanley, has a Stanley Cup with St. Louis, and you got Mark Stahl on there too, but um, he's at seven point five million. Um, also UFA at the end of this season, and and maybe do you see? I know it's three point three seven five million, but do you see maybe Dzingel going to Winnipeg? And a, another thought too: Tanner Pearson's on the board. Um. Sam Bennett, he's there too. Does anyone like? What about Arista Linen or somebody from Buffalo? What's his uh, salary? You imagine Buffalo is going to be doing a buyer sale. Buffalo or well, they're they're done again. My goodness, by that team, I don't know what it is. Poor Eichel, free Eichel. Well, I was hoping to get I was hoping to get Quinn Donovan. He is a he's a Vancouver Canucks fan in Vancouver. He's he uh, he doesn't cover the Canucks, but he knows his Canucks. And I was going to ask him. Um, I saw on Twitter in the last couple of hours uh, for Tannen for Eichel. It just said, basically it said Eichel for Vertanen. And, and <laughs> no, uh, um, that's, that's I'm choosing my words wisely here too. Jen. I'm, and I'm very, I'm choosing my words very wisely here because I've gotten, um, I've got two stop. Uh, I've got two offside strikes because I put something on Facebook that blew it up and um, cannot to, cannot add any cannot add Nylander or Sam Bennett to any tweets. Um, it, I, I, I got a story. I, I hope we can, are we. I'm hoping. I'm hope. I'm hoping that uh, Jack Camp. Before I tell my story, I hope Jack Campbell comes back. It seems like. Um, I got some Nick Robertson news too. I don't know if you guys heard, um, but it just seems like that in Toronto Maple Leaf land, Leaf Nation, um, anytime a guy comes back or he's in, like we lost Simmons, we lost Thornton. I'm surprised we haven't lost Spezza for maybe a week or two weeks. Like it, the, he did get a, a night off, but it just seems like when we get guys back, we lose Campbell again. We we lose. We'll have Simmons before the end of the March. That'd be right around the six week mark uh, to allow his wrist to heal. But it just seems like it's like we just get guys back, um, and we and we just lost uh, Nick Robertson's out day to day with an oblique injury. So maybe that's just a, a precautionary. Um, maybe the Leafs just want him to rest and not burn himself uh, burn himself out. With the Marlies, but um, I think we'll be fine. I think you you said it best, Clark. Simmons will um, find a spot. He is top nine on the team. Maybe, you know, there's easy guys to uh, to take out of the lineup like Engvall, uh, Patan. I know um, 
Oh, um, who's the player that wears 72 on the Toronto Maple Leafs? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So, do you think if it's, do you think a 2.55 million, if, it, if the trade, if the, if the trade falls in Tree Living's lap, I know I'm. I like Sam Bennett, but is there a way? Like, if we, if, if there's a way that Toronto can make it work, does he go on that fourth, li- third, or fourth line? Because right now, like, do you want in going into the playoffs? You got Spets on the right side, he, but he can play center. Can do? You, can you honestly think like the centers we have at the bottoms, the bottom nine, can really do it? Like, do, do we need another center? Like, this, I'm really trying to convince you guys to, to say like, yeah, Sam Bennett makes sense. But obviously not for Nylander. Yeah, yeah. So, no. uh, I, it's, yeah, Alan, if you want to go ahead, go ahead. I mean, it, it wouldn't hurt to have the depth in there. It depends what uh, Calgary won back. As long as you don't have to like trade, like make a bad trade for Bennett, I think he'd be a good little project to maybe try for Toronto on a bottom six thing. And another player that's down in the, Mar- the Marlies right now is really tearing it up or seems to get his team back a little bit, which might help for a trade would be Galchenyuk. He's got a couple goals in his first couple games with the Marlies, so that's good to see. I don't know if he's if he'd be called up to the taxi squad or maybe to the Leafs for a couple games just to uh, showcase him and see. But I think he has like three or four goals so far playing for Toronto Marlies, so we'll see what happens with him. But, yeah, ben, they can get him for maybe a mid-round draft pick and maybe a uh, like a second-tier prospect and maybe go for it. But, yeah, like you said, if Nylander or somebody's involved, you had to have a lot more than Bennett go back to uh, Toronto. Even though I know Nylander's can be hit or miss with a player. I mean, he's got the talent. He can snipe and stuff, but he's a, he is a one-dimensional player, in my opinion. No defense, yeah. but he can score. He can, he can light it up sometimes. He's looked pretty good lately, except for that play tonight, but, I mean, yeah. it happens. And I was hoping I was hoping uh, Max would come on because I just noticed Granlin is actually plays the center position at $3.75 million, um, a little bit, uh, about a million more than Sam Bennett. So maybe we can get that Granlin and he could go from the left wing to the center position. Uh, Spezza can move in if need be. And um, I really like Tanner Pearson. Um, again, hoping that Quinn would have been able to hop on. But, uh, yeah, Tanner Pearson looks pretty good too. But that's Yeah, nothing. so uh, if you want to buckle up for a sec, Jamie, I'm going to about to go on a little bit of a tangent here. Um, you go right. So, hey, you go right ahead. I know I I started this live thing, man. But you know what? You've got your own squad cast for a reason, man. So by by all well, means, by all I means, save, I might save some of it for Tuesday night. But I don't know. Some so you don't actually have a guest right now. Hey, there's uh you know you know. Well, I got one. We we figured it out after. It's, the show. it's National Women's Week, man. I'm I'm I actually uh I was gonna ask. I was going to ask Amanda Ruler because I wanted Amanda Ruler. Sorry, I will stop talking in a moment. Um, um, I was going to talk to Amanda Ruler, but actually we found uh, we found a guest who is uh, covers hockey here in in Halifax. So um, I was actually going to ask Amanda, but then thought maybe you had her for Tuesday. But uh, no. she would have been an amazing guest. She's where great. I love Amanda. She's awesome. Uh, every yeah, time you have her on the show, she's great. She does a lot of great things here in the community. So she'd be a 100%. great get for you anytime. Doesn't have to be International Women's Day. But hundred uh, percent. Yeah. So there's a few things I want to get to because you rattle off a lot of names there and uh, a lot of different situations. So let me see if I can rewind a little bit. But we'll go with we'll start with Jake Furtanen because uh, that's the one you mentioned just now. Um, so he's I think him and Sam Bennett I think have the same cap hit if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure they're both about two point five. You, you would be correct. Yep. So um, to me, like 
they wouldn't be a terrible swap. Jake Furtanen played his junior hockey in Calgary. Sam Bennett uh, might fit a bit better in a Vancouver scenario than he would. However, with Daryl Sutter coming in now, who even knows uh, what the Flames scenario is, what their systems are going to look like, what types of players Daryl Sutter wants on his team. Sam Bennett seems to me like a Sutter boy. So I, I think he might have a rejuvenation in the next little while. We'll see. But uh, with the Leafs, let's just sit on the Leafs for a sec, and then we'll get into maybe some of the trade bait guys. But with Wayne Simmons coming back, you, you brought up a decent uh, uh, point there. But, you know, is he going to go back into the top six? When he got hurt, he was playing on Tavares's line. Kerfoot looks really good on that line. Uh, he's been playing really good in the last couple of games. Um, so does Simmons go on that line? The third line has been playing extremely well together. That's the Angval, Hyman, and Mikheyev line. I know they haven't had a ton of results, um, but they're playing great, and they're forechecking hard, and they're making teams' nights hard to play against. Uh, so I would. it's hard for me to say, like, yeah, we'll put Simmons on that third line because then who do you take off? Where do you put that person? Does Mikheyev turn into a fourth liner? Uh, does Hyman stay on there? And if Mikheyev goes to the fourth, then you're taking guys out of that lineup too, or that line too, putting them in the, you're benching them or whatever. And the fourth line's been really good. I mean, Spets is on a 50-point pace on a, as a fourth liner. He's playing like 11 minutes a night. Travis Boyd has looked great. Um, Jimmy VC has three goals in the last three games. Uh, so, where's, the, so I mean, where's the piss test? That was just well, up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm yeah. Just up on Twitter. Sorry, sorry if I used the word piss, but... I, Hey, I'm gonna fine. use your I'm gonna use your excuse, Clark. It's late night. I can say whatever late I want. Night. It's late night. Yeah. It's like midnight. Oh, where's where BC? Tomorrow, BC's getting a piss test. Sure, probably. <laughs> um, but okay. so that brings up a point, though, is when Wayne Simmons does come back, they have an, they have a surplus of forwards, which is a good thing, obviously. But um, I don't know. Like the tough part about bringing guys in with trades is that, and I, I sorry, I was on. Um, I don't know if you guys know what Clubhouse is or if you guys are on Clubhouse. Uh, it's an app where you basically go into a room and you talk to a bunch of people live. It's kind of like this, but it's just an audio room. Uh, and, you know, we were on. I was on there tonight during the game uh, with a couple guys and a couple Sportsnet producers and a few other uh, people, just random people. And it was a great uh, chat. But one of the things we kept talking about, and I brought it up a couple of times and other guys brought it up, but we were looking at Vancouver's scenario compared to Toronto's. And Vancouver... Uh, has a bunch of contracts that are like three, four million dollars, and that's put them into a spot where they were they had to lose Tyler Toffoli, uh, they had to lose um, Chris Tanev, and they had to lose a couple other guys. Uh, Markstrom, I guess I should say, he's probably the biggest one. Uh, but they didn't have the cap space uh, to to keep those guys, and those are the guys that are probably the reason that they're not in the top four in a playoff spot right now. So. Uh, you know, they have guys like Brandon Sutter that you can throw into a trade, Jay Beagle, uh, while nobody's taking Louis Erickson's deal. But guys no. like that, uh, contracts that have dollars attached to them that you can throw into a trade to make a trade work dollars-wise. Look at the Leafs right now. They don't have any of those contracts, literally none. Alex Kerfoot is the only one. Uh, they have guys making six million dollars or defensemen who are not going anywhere making five million dollars but they have nobody between two and a half and four million dollars except for Kerfoot so Kerfoot becomes the only guy you can trade to bring in anybody of value and there's a lot to that does a team want Alexander Kerfoot does uh Kerfoot well he doesn't have a no trade clause but you know 
does does the Leafs do the Leafs want to trade Alexander Kerfoot? He's literally the only guy. So if you're talking anybody like a Philip Forsberg, if you're talking anybody like well, even Sam Bennett, Jake Vertanen, anybody along those lines means Kerfoot's the one going out. So just keep that in mind because they can hey, you can package you can package Simmons, you can package Engvall, Barabanov, VC, uh, and everybody else. But that doesn't match the contracts that need to go out to, in order for like a guy like Philip Forsberg to come in. Uh, those guys are making $6 million. And even if you cut it in half with retention, it's still three. And you still can't fit it in. So that's where, that's where Kerfoot becomes this big X factor in the puzzle. And there's nobody else out who, else who can go out. So it's just going to be interesting to see how they move these puzzle pieces around. Uh, it's not as easy as just like, hey, I want Sam Bennett as a depth guy. Okay, then Kerfoot's got to go. So it's not as easy as just saying, "Hey, I want Vertanen on the fourth line." Okay, then Kerfoot's got to go. So that's that's one thing I always have to think back to whenever these names keep popping up. How are they going to fit? That's all. Sorry, there's my tension. No, by all means, I say what, want say to say what you one want. Thing, guys, I just want to say the only player I'm thinking. I don't know what the salary's like. I, I I love him. He's a like I I wouldn't want to see him gone. But what about a Zach Hyman? Would he be somebody that you had to maybe throw in a trade to get like a? He should be burn? on the third. He shouldn't be on the third line. I think he should be on the second line. Why? Why is Kerfoot on that second line with what? with Willie and Tavares? Um, there's somebody you might have to think about would, getting rid of it if you had to get something. I mean, as much you hate to get rid of him, I think that might be somebody. I think he's about two and a half million, maybe salary. Yeah, two point so, two point two five, I think. And here's the thing with Zach Hyman: is he is a free agent after this year too, so he needs. But to is, he, is he? He worth the five? What's the, I don't know. He is he at five million right now? I think if he goes on the market, he's going to be he's probably at least five, four. Five. I would say he's probably probably yeah, four for that five million dollar uh, contract deal if he if he goes elsewhere, right? I could see him getting four. I like what Alan says. Uh, maybe like a four year deal, of, uh, $4 million, I think would be really a fair amount for the, uh, the things that he's done in the last couple of years. Uh, I agree with you, Jamie. I think he's he is a great fit on that second line. Um, but Kerfoot's way better as a winger, and we've talked about it. James has talked about it. Kerfoot doesn't make sense as a third-line center. He makes sense as a second-line center, but not a third-line center. The third line this year is built to forecheck and be pests, and Kerfoot's just, he's not quite that. He's more of a skill guy. Uh, he can be a two-way forward, um, so that's, that third line kind of makes sense, and he wasn't well, James James will tell you he was, but he wasn't terrible on that third line. But he makes way more sense on that second second line. So, you know, the argument that we were talking about earlier today on this other audio thing I was telling you guys about was, so if they bring in, like, if, if they really want to bring in, like, a Taylor Hall, for example, that's $4 million uh, because you cut his $8 million in half. It has to happen that way. There's no other way to do it unless Nylander's involved. Um yeah, so you have to cut it in half. So if Taylor Hall fits better on that second line, I think he would. I think him and Tavares would be would be art in motion. Um, so I think that'd be great. But uh, I don't know. Again, it all comes down to money in, money out, and Kerfoot would have to be the one, and then there's more to it than that, and it gets really complicated. So I don't know. However, can I just throw this little grenade out there too? The other name we were talking about, it, in terms of the money, I just I just told you guys we don't have anybody in that contract range. Uh, the only other guy who is in that contract range is Freddie Anderson. Well, there's already been 
Leaf Nation already thinks Jack Campbell is primed and ready to go to be that starter for next year. Yeah, but what about his injury? He's had some injuries. Yeah, issues, so do we look at to be looking at a, a maple. Well, so was Anderson too. He's had injury issues too over the years. Yeah, but yeah. he's not out. He's not out as much as Ben Bishop is right now. Ben. Oh my God! Uh, he always seems to get hurt the worst times. Well, he got hurt there in the Tampa Bay series when uh, Blackhawks won. Remember, he got yeah, hurt there. Yeah, exactly. Great, great time to get hurt. Good for us, but uh, great bad time for the Bishop to get hurt for the Tampa yeah. Bay Lightning. What about we, this thing? We don't the We're talking about Leafs uh, trade issues. I don't know what his salary is in Buffalo. But what about Eric Stull? Right. Does I imagine he might be somebody that probably somebody to look to maybe for at three least and a half, three and a half, three and a half. No, no, no. Yeah, so he's three, three and a half million, million, but he's got one year left, and he'd be easily retained. Uh, and I don't think he has a no move, or I think he does have a no trade clause right now. But uh, he would waive it to come to Toronto, like he would, like he's a Toronto oh, yeah. boy. Like, we're looking at, are we looking at a new, new and new and improved uh, Luke Shen? No, this is this is no? uh, this is Eric okay. Stahl. He's the center. Yeah, Eric. <laughs> he's the one you want. <laughs> Mark Stahl. No, oh, defenseman. Uh, so yeah, you're looking at Eric. So oh, okay, yeah. So I was looking at yeah. So I got mixed up because there's Eric Stahl is at 13 and Mark Stahl is at 14. Yeah, Eric Stahl would be a great second, third line center in Toronto at three and a half. Um, yeah, sorry for the mix up. And Mark Stahl would, is at, uh, five point seven. 30, 34 years old, making five point seven million. Mark Stahl, yeah, yeah. playing in Detroit. Oh he my signed Jesus. that deal when he was 27. But here's the yeah, thing. The only reason, yeah, here's Detroit the had money to take. Detroit had lots of uh, cap room. That's the only reason oh. they took him on. Is they they need to fill the cap or ceiling or whatever it is, floor or whatever they had. To that fill must it. have been when Stevie. That must have been when Stevie Eiserman left. I know Ken Holland wasn't there at the time, but that that what was that guy thinking to, to sign Mark Stahl at 5.7 million? Well, actually, that was I know Rangers. Stevie Eiserman signed, signed him at that much. He was, it was the Rangers like, assigned to that bad deal. He got traded to Detroit. Oh, the offseason. he got trade and they had to he was the game. he was the captain of the Rangers there for a minute. Yeah, or two. so he oh, he, did, he earned that contract when he signed it. But now it's six years later or whatever. And there's a lot of Detroit's. Um, so a lot of centers yeah, on this. With, list. The thing with Eric Stahl and a lot of people are are tying him to the Leafs too. Um, so he's three and a half. If you retain it, it go to one point seven five. That's a great number. I'm worried about Eric Stahl putting him on that third line because, like I just said, literally like five minutes ago, the third line's identity right now is speed, forechecking, and being pests. And if you put Eric Stahl on that second or that third line, you lose like a third of that. He's not fast anymore. He's a great player. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not taking that away from him. But you take away the whole identity of that third line unless you rebuild the third line. Maybe it's maybe it turns into Stahl, Kerfoot, and uh, and Simmons or something like that, and it's a totally different third line, and Hyman moves back up, or um, you know, or uh, um, Mikheyev goes down, or whatever it happens to be. But uh, I don't know. Uh, Kerfoot might have to be involved in the trade in the beginning. Like I said, he's kind of the guy. So you know, maybe Hyman moves back up to the top six. There's there's so many there's so many different dominoes that have to that will fall and have to fall in order for all this stuff to happen. That's why I don't envy being a general manager in the NHL because there's a there's a lot of hoops to jump through to make anything happen. But I don't I, like I said I think Eric Stahl would be great. Uh, he's obviously still productive at his age. Uh, I just don't know if he fits the identity of what exactly is needed for that third line, um, unless they change it completely, which should be fine too if it works. 
Who who lasts longer? Uh, either before the trade de- deadline or after the trade deadline. Who who which leaf would last longer? Do you think Kierfort or VC? Uh, last longer playing in the lineup if they're on the Leafs. Well, who, who sticks? Who sticks? Who sticks it out to the playoffs with the Leafs? BC I or both, I think both. Of you them think would. you think both of them stay, and then uh, Toronto just kind of um, tries to re- or um, tries to bolster the, boost their their start their center position because right now you got Engvall and Boyd. Um, Engvall on the third line center and Boyd as you the might fourth be line center. Yeah, I, I get. You got, Kerfoot's the guy. Kerfoot's the yeah. Bit, he's your biggest. So. He's your biggest piece right now. He he's the 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 pie that everybody wants, I guess, or that everyone well, may be appealed to. Well, that's the thing. That's that was what I was saying earlier too, Jamie. Is that Kerfoot's yeah. the only guy the Leafs can move out to bring in any type of money? Yeah. I don't know if he's the guy that teams want. Teams probably want Nicholas Robertson. Teams probably want uh, Lilligren and Sandine and. We can't just go trading a Lilligren and a Sandine for Taylor Hall. It just doesn't work. Financially, no. it just doesn't work. Sandine's still 20 years old. He ain't going nowhere. They'd be, well, stupid, to, they'd be stupid to let him go. He's a 2,000 bird. You might so think about maybe one of them if you can get something good. Well, so me and Max worked out the trade today. We worked it out. So if we're bringing in Matthias Ackholm, for example, and you save, you retain half the money on him, the trade would be Travis Dermott. Uh, Max said Roni Hervinen, who is their second round pick this past year, and a, a high pick, probably a first or second round pick. Uh, so that would bring in a Matthias Ekholm. So that's the type of stuff you're looking at. But with Ekholm, if you save half the money, it's oh, only no. 1.75. It's a lot easier to deal with than a guy like Taylor Hall, who would at minimum be $4 million. And that's saying if the Sabres want to say, yeah, we'll retain half the salary, they might not want to do that. I'm just noticing that uh, Lucic is fighting Darnell Nurse right now. I know, Lucci just beat the shit out of Darnell Nurse. Um, I've been to six. Damn. I've been to six Battle of Alberta games. Um, they're all included in Ginla. And why is now when Calgary and Edmonton play in the bubble, things shit hits the fan? They have yeah. goalie fights, and it seems like there's more fights. I was there was a stretch of like two years where I went to NHL game. There was absolutely no fights. I, I think it's because of the fans. They need to find a way. What about Matthew Kachuk? Oh, wow. He's been a little what? past the last couple of years. He sort of started it, I think, and then just got back oh, yeah. to it. Well, he, he he's definitely a fight catalyst, that's for sure. Uh, another <laughs> thing I will say is that uh, rivalries are better when both teams are good. Yeah. And you saw, you saw that with Montreal-Toronto. Like the, It's not the same. It's better now, but it, it wasn't the same for like five, six years. Ottawa-Toronto hasn't been the same for a while. No. Calgary and El- or Calgary and Edmonton now are getting to a point where they're they're both on about on the same level of of talent and the both same level of yeah. goodness. Uh, so that's why you're seeing this rivalry pop back up. These teams are fighting every night for every game. Uh, compared to a couple of years ago where Calgary was rolling Edmonton, or a couple of years before that where Calgary yeah. wasn't all that good, they weren't good at the same time, and the rivalry just wasn't quite the same. So. It's the same as the Ontarios. It's the same as Toronto, Montreal. It's when both yeah. teams are good, the rivalry's better. It looks Kachuk. like there might be a new one in the U.S. this year. Like last couple of games, Boston and Washington. There's some, uh, especially last night's game. Like we will, was- I will. Before Clark goes, I want to get into the Wilson hit. Um, as per Elliot Friedman, it it is now changed to a boarding. So when the league looks, when the league looked at it and they deemed it a boarding. 
a boarding penalty, a boarding play. Um, so the biggest factor in the Wilson hit is he's a repeat offender. So it, it could be to be between five and 20 games. Um, I don't, I, it's, I don't think it's a dirty play as you can see it. Like, in slow mo, you see plays a lot better than two. Yeah. I, I, I know Gordy Dwyer personally, and I, on occasion, will chat. And I, I know a lot of officials here in junior hockey. In junior hockey, that's a hit to the head. Just because they've seen other millions of other plays similar to that, they call it automatic. I, I saw it last week. It, that would have been in junior hockey. You covered junior hockey, Alan. I hope you agree with this. And as you do, as you. As well, Clark, you follow junior hockey. Is it safe to say if that happened in a Pats game or a Georgetown Raiders game, is that five in a game for hit to the head in a junior game? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He'd be well. It'd be, be at least two. It'd be head contact for sure. I think that's two in a game at the minimum. Yeah. What, what's your thoughts, Clark? Yeah, you're probably looking at yeah. Junior hockey is a little bit different. They they definitely protect a little bit more sensitive. More. Yeah, more sensitive. Yeah. I would say. Um, yeah especially like they'll they'll suspend guys for lesser hits just to suspend them uh to really send the message so like a hit like wilson's would probably get a, a lot of attention uh but here's a, i said it on the saturday squadcast today uh and i've i've said this my whole life really when it comes to hits that you have to slow down to to determine how bad they are um hockey's a fast sport tom wilson's an aggressive big man skating fast into a corner for a puck battle. Uh, Carlo's a big man, and he went like this. So when you're when you're lining up a big man and you're skating fast into a, into a corner puck battle, um, you know, Carlo's probably bigger than, well, they're both like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guys. Uh, so, you know, you picture yourself skating really fast into a puck battle or into a corner puck battle. Uh, you don't have that much time to react. And when you slow it down, it looks like you have time, but you really don't. And so when a guy who's six foot four, six foot five, lowers his head last minute like this, and you go into it with yeah. your shoulder into where his chest would be, and his head is now there, you don't have that much time to be like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to hit him here. I'm going to stop. I'm going to slow down and stop and not hit this guy. There's not that time to react. And when you're when your brain is saying I gotta hit this guy to win a puck battle, it's not you can't switch it. There's no switching it. And so uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll if he gets suspended, he gets suspended. But uh, you know I I don't know. It's hard for me to always look at these players and call them villains uh, or anything along those lines for hits like this one. I know Wilson's had some bad ones. I'm not saying Wilson's an angel. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, when I saw this play, I looked at it and I said, okay, when he hits the goal line and he's skating as full speed as he was, um, when he hits the goal line, Carlo's like this. And literally yeah. half a second later, Carlo's like this. So how much of that is on Carlo? How much of that is on Wilson? How much of that is on the other guy that was in the scrum too, who was battling the puck and maybe he pushed Carlo a little bit? I don't know. I, I can't. I, I don't. I don't hope this guy doesn't get twenty games. Uh, I know that they open it up for that. If he gets five, fine. But I, I, I'm getting to a point now where, again, I said it. If you have to slow a hit down to to determine how bad it is, I don't think it's that bad. 
No, he's had a 20 game here before. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm 2018. Not, he's not an angel. He's not an angel. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, no, it's not, not, neither is Brad Mershon. Neither is. Oh, there's another. There's another fight going on here. Neil's fighting. I can't tell who the other guy is. Is that Bennett? No. no I gotta get Kachuk. the steam on. It was Kachuk. Oh, 19. Yeah, it's Kachuk. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. What's the any score in the game yet? No. It's yeah, I was gonna ask. So as the Calgary Flames game is on, someone actually tweeted out today. Um, thinking that Hyman, someone asked who, um, I think it was Nick Alberga. Um, but oh, don't boy. quote me on that. Yeah. Solid dude. He's been on the squad guest. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but he, some, he, I thought he said something about a certain player being underrated. And then someone came in and said, Hyman, Hyman is absolutely not even overrated, nor is he underrated. He's actually a really good rated. player. He, yeah. He's just boom. Yeah, Manjapani, I saw the underrated tweet. It was uh, okay. It'll come to me. I just can't think okay. who he's talking about. Yeah, um, as you think there, Clark Manjapani, right now is the most underrated player. And I would go and if I was yep. to go to U.S. team, uh, Chandler Stevenson. Um, I pumped RP's tires a little bit last night. I was texting him, uh, texting him, and he. Uh, I said Vegas looks really good. If you guys want to, yeah, I if read you guys that. Wanna, I saw those tweets. Yeah, if you guys want to uh, slide into the U.S. divisions, hey, I, I, I'm loving, I'm loving Vegas. Um, Colorado's kind of has to pick up a little bit of steam because I know they had that bit of a break. Um, they did beat Vegas during the um, the outdoor game. I don't even know if you, if you want to call it an outdoor. It was it was considered outside, but really was it a um, an actual game because actual games are played in stadiums, but. Um, I'm loving Colorado, loving Vegas. Um, Mini right now, it, it's tough to say. Like like everyone said, uh, the Mass Mutual division with the Islanders. Yeah, they lost Boston, tonight, though, to Arizona. That's the toughest. That's the toughest. Um, if you want to slide into the, the U.S. divisions, but um, I have this thought here wrote down. John Scott. Came up was on the RP show. I believe it was Wednesday or Thursday. Wednesday, I believe it was. Um, and yeah, he, Wednesday. He had some thoughts about the Toronto Maple Leafs um, not being ready when it comes time to say, for an example, um, they beat Montreal and they're waiting for a U.S. opponent. I don't think by I, I'm trying to my best to stay up and watch Vegas. Um, try to watch the teams that may face Toronto or Montreal. Who, um, a lot of people tonight have Winnipeg coming out of that Canadian division. Even though they lost tonight 7-1 to the Montreal Canadiens, a lot of people think if they – and you, you've talked about this, Clark. Right now, the only problem in Winnipeg is the defense. If they can get Ekholm or they can get that uh, Montour or they can get Dave, David Savard, if they get a big – a big steady D on the back end, and then maybe add a couple little bit little pieces like uh, maybe what St. Louis had for their run or or uh, whatever. But um, that's that's really all that Winnipeg's missing. And I I strongly believe um, I know they won't get a guy before the three games coming up this week versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. But looking at Toronto and looking at the rest of the Canadian division, the, the defense is just like. Can it stack up against the offense? I know it's not a lot of offense in Vegas, 
But look at Colorado, man. Like, if they can get going, can can Toronto, Winnipeg, Montreal face face those teams and really have a chance at the U.S. teams? And I right. strongly don't think with Colorado and Vegas, the way they're built, um, and and Tampa Bay, they didn't change very much. They lost a couple guys. Um, it, it'll be Tampa Bay, Boston, Vegas, Colorado, um, Toronto, Montreal, Winnipeg. Um, fighting for that Canadian division spot, but um, that's that's really where I'm set with those four, four or five teams. But um, yeah, I hate to agree with John Scott, but I agree with them. I don't think Toronto right now. Um, I know they're not able to handle Vancouver, but I strongly believe that when it comes time to have Toronto w- waiting for an U.S. opponent. They're going to be shaking their legs because they haven't really gotten that test. Because Montreal and Winnipeg right now are kind of sliding, right? So yeah, that was that's the 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 alarm bells that I started putting out uh, a couple weeks ago. I think John Scott copied me because I started I started that about a couple weeks ago. Uh, I won't say that out loud because he'll smash my face in. But um, yeah, I I'm worried about that too. The one the one thing that I liked, and I think it was Steve Dangle who said this. Um, but everyone's talking about how Toronto hasn't been tested and they haven't played all these other teams. Those other teams haven't played Toronto either. So it's going to be, it goes both ways and it'll be interesting uh, when it gets down to that time to see if Toronto's style can overpower uh, some of the teams that play differently uh, when it, when they face each other for the first time. John Scott also said this is that if there's any year Hold on, I just had a collapse of something going on in my house. If there's any year uh, where a run-and-gun style could work uh, and win a cup, it'd be this year because teams won't have time to react and time to adjust and catch up and change their style of defense and all that stuff. So um, uh, that's where we were talking about it, Jamie. That's why you know a lot of people are still talking about what needs to happen in the trade market with this Leafs team. They're not done. I don't think this management team is sitting there being like, oh, yeah, we're good. Uh, I think they still want to, to tinker and add some pieces. Like if you look at – you mentioned Tampa Bay. You look at them. They didn't go out last year and add Taylor Hall. They went out and traded a first-round pick for Barclay Goudreau, and they traded a first-round pick for Blake Coleman. And look how good that worked out for them. So maybe we're looking at it all wrong, and we don't need a Taylor Hall. Maybe we need another Zach Hyman. Maybe we need to bring in another guy like that. Uh, and maybe that's where your Sam Bennett thing comes into play. Um, but maybe we need more guys like that instead. And then they fill out that bottom six and make the bottom six harder to play against. So there's there's a lot that goes into it. Um, the, the thought process behind the top six forward or the big top two winger, whatever you want to call it, like a Taylor Hall type of person. Uh, is that you want that one more reliable score up front that you can count on to score a big goal when the time comes. Uh, maybe that's what they need. Uh, but that's not what Tampa did. And if you're looking at Tampa as the example you're going off of, uh, they they went out and overpaid to get two guys that could be there for a couple of years. And what that screams to me is Matias Ekholm, a guy like that, like a guy – that you can retain a couple dollars on and bring him in, and he's your hard-nosed penalty kill guy uh, that goes out there and shuts teams down and pounds them with Zach Bogosian, and that's your third pair, is Zach Coleman Bogosian. And that would be pretty special, uh, but that means that Dermot's probably out of town. That means a prospect's probably out of town, et cetera, et cetera. So 
if there's any year where they're going to overspend for some guys, this is probably the one you want to do it in. Can, can Taylor Hall, uh, the $8 million, <laughs> it's just gross to, look, gross to look at. Yeah. Well, you it wouldn't be eight million. They they would have okay. to retain half. And that's why I mentioned it. You can you you. Hey, when we when uh, it comes time to making sense of the financial dollars, Clark <laughs> Clark Monroe's your dude, man. I, I uh, think a lot. <laughs> Taylor Hall to me, um, geez, I don't know. Like, can he go to Montreal? That's a, that's a question. I'm asking you a question. Yeah. Does Taylor Hall make sense in Montreal? He, I mean, Taylor Hall can go anywhere. Uh, any team can find a way to make $4 million fit as long as the Sabres are okay. He might go to Colorado. He would look okay in Colorado. That's after they get Sidney Crosby too, right? They're going to get Crosby. Yeah, he's got, I think he's got two years left, but he'll take a home, he'll take an, a non-hometown discount to go to Colorado. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, um, I, don't, I don't know. Do you see I'm I'm thinking I'm guessing and maybe for you Alan is the Tim Hortons commercials that must they must be different I know they can't all be the same because here in Atlanta Canada in Halifax all the Tim Hortons commercials have Sidney Crosby driving the Zamboni and McKinnon they're on I don't know if you've seen this Clark but on there's a Tim Hortons commercial where Sid, Sidney's driving the Zamboni through oh, yeah. Tim Hortons drive through yeah. okay yeah. so you guys all see the same okay I know like. Atlantic, they're in Atlantic Canada, and you guys might have Kirby Doc driving the Zamboni. I don't. We don't have him anymore. We used to have. We got this guy doing an egg or frying an egg up here in Ontario now. Okay. Not as good as a Zamboni drive. <laughs> but, you, but you did see that though, Clark. Yes, yeah. it was on yeah. the hockey cards. No, they're together, and they've been on spitting chicklets. They've been on. They've been on the uh, Biznasty uh, spitting chicklets sandbagger tournaments, and they're together. So um, it's it, it, you know people watching tuning into this if you're in the states or in Canada, it, it truly makes sense that you know Crosby may end up with Colorado Avalanche to really push that team to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, because he's won three Stanley Cups. Um, it, it won't. I don't think it'll come. But do you think they have to kind of wait until his 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 um, his terms over with the Penguins, or do you see a trade like? What makes sense before the two years is up for Crosby to go to the uh, Avalanche? Crosby's got four years left on his deal. He's got this year and three more. The Avalanche can't wait that long. No. So here's what I was saying. Joe Joe Sack would be be in the ground before they they wait for Crosby to to, uh, finish in Pittsburgh. Yeah, not, so I, that, I think that, I've said it on record. Knock on wood, that's not going to happen. But just, I, I, a, I can't remember if it was on my uh, my Friday live check-in or what it was, but I've said it on record somewhere. I, oh. I, if the if the Penguins are serious hey, about boys. Crosby. Oh, sorry, what's up? I was just saying, it's just a breaking news just came across my wire. Seven games for Wilson. He just got seven oh. games suspension. Yeah, so I, I, think I, I said eight to 20, so. Uh, seven. The right. five games. The five games was probably for a guy that wasn't a repeat offender, but he was seven games. Yeah. So, I yeah. I on that again, just to wrap up my Wilson thoughts. I again, I sorry. when you get a guy lower in his head like that, you're going full speed into a corner to make a hit. It's hard to really adjust. So I don't yeah. know what they wanted him to do. That's all I'll say. However, back to Crosby. Uh, so I, I've said it on record somewhere. It's on. It's on video record somewhere in the Squadcast archives, but. Uh, 
I, you know, I, I really do think that if they're trading him, that a Gabriel Landeskog is ha has to be considered as the piece that goes back the other way. A lot of people are like, oh, well, Miko Rantanen's probably better. Yeah, um, but here's what I know about Brian Burke. And uh, I know you guys are, are fans of Brian Burke, or at least know who he is. Um, it's hard not to if you're a hockey fan. But Quit clowning around. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> speak, well, speaking of that, um, I've said it, but I've heard a story of Brian Burke's best and worst draft interviews. And one of the worst was Nail Yakupov. He almost punched him uh, in the interview. <laughs> and one of the best ones, he said he almost wanted to give this guy to his daughter to marry him, marry them right away, was Gabriel Landeskog. Uh, he said that Gabriel Landeskog was a 35-year-old man in an 18-year-old body. Uh, he thinks he should have got drafted higher. He's a future general manager, a future coach, future captain. He is the captain in Colorado. So... If you're looking at Brian Burke pulling the trigger on a Crosby trade, I really do think he targets Gabriel Landeskog coming back the other way. He's a free agent after this year, uh, I believe. And I think right now he's at, Jamie, maybe you can click around and find some numbers, but I think he's at about $6.5 million, 6.8, 5.8, somewhere in that range. So, uh, again, Pittsburgh doesn't have a whole lot of room to fiddle around with in terms of extra cap space either. So there has to be more than that. So what I was thinking was if it was a Gabriel Landeskog, a Samuel Girard, and probably a couple of prospects, um, and then picks. Like it's Sidney Crosby, so there's going to be a lot involved. Uh, so it would be Landeskog and Girard would take it over. So that would be, I think if I remember the math, I think it was like $11 million or something. So uh, Pittsburgh would probably have to uh, include somebody else going the other way to make it work, like a – I don't know who, uh, Brandon Tanev or somebody like that, Brian Rust, one of those guys. So you, it's looking to me like if you, if you want to make this trade happen and Pittsburgh wants to start their rebuild, Gabriel Landeskog's your new captain. He comes in, he's 28 years old. He can be your first-line winger. He can lead your young guys that you're going to be bringing in in trades because you're also trading Malkin and Latang. If you're trading Crosby, those guys are also going somewhere. Uh, so you're looking at that. You're probably getting a bunch of younger guys in for the other two. Uh, and you're getting Samuel Girard to be your new power play quarterback. Uh, then you get probably prospects. And again, I don't have the full Colorado prospect list in front of me. But would a Bowen Byram go? Maybe like the high defense, or would they probably keep him? I, I would think if they're including Girard, they probably keep Byram. Uh, and I would assume that Makar is off the. He's not. Oh yeah. not included. Right. So no. Um, I think as Colorado, like Byram becomes Girard. Uh, so. Uh, and Gerard's only like 22. Like he's he's still yeah. a fresh chicken. So he'd go over to Pittsburgh and be their their anchor on the blue line for years to come. He's signed for a long time for five million dollars. So he's that's set. Um, and then you bring in again. I have to look at the prospect list, but maybe two prospects from their their B plus list, and then a couple of draft picks, probably a first rounder at least, a second rounder, depending on who the prospects are. And that brings you Sidney Crosby. Uh, so then you're looking at Sidney Crosby uh, being your second-line center because you're probably putting McKinnon on the first line with Rantanen and whoever is there. And then you got Crosby with whoever is there. And then Nazem Kadri is your third-line center with whoever's there. And you just just hand them the Stanley Cup now. Uh, Gabriel, Gabriel Landeskov is a UFA 2021-22 so he's got a he's a 2020 20, 20, 
5.5 million. 5.5. Okay. So he's then you add and he's 20 and that, and factor in he's 28 years old. Yeah. So you a, add Gerard to that and it's 10.5. So that's about as close to 8.7 as you can probably put together in terms of value and everything. Uh, so you might have to include somebody from Pittsburgh that's like a $2 million contract just to make sure it's kind of evened up. Money-wise, you've added a bunch of prospects and picks, and there's your trade. Tanev and Crosby go right until 25, 26. They're both the same. Yeah, perfect. Um, so there you go. And, but I don't, know if, I don't know if Tanev would be in that. I think it would be more like a, you'd have to look down their list a little bit farther. Cody CC maybe? I think he's like a $2 million player. CC defenseman just picked up from Toronto there in the offseason. Maybe he's a bit less than two, but not a big yeah. deal if you lose Landix Scott. If you got Miko Ranton in making nine yeah. million dollars. Well you're bringing in Sydney <laughs> this, is the, this is the funniest thing I ever seen. Cap friendly is is a great tool for for salaries. But it's funny to look at Miko Rantanen is making more than Sidney Crosby. It's Sidney Crosby is making eight point seven million. Yeah. yeah. Why isn't Crosby making what Nylander's making? Matthew Crosby signed a Crosby signed a twelve year deal way back, so his cap yeah. hit was yeah. way lower than it should have been, I and know. that's why they changed the rules. <laughs> I know, but each year it should be more. Like, okay, it's it goes yeah, by a year. Two. Duncan I don't know this makes five point five million dollars. He was the best defenseman in the league for a long time. One of them. Yeah, and Seabrook probably makes that much too. Now he's on the long term IR. He makes yeah. more six point eight. Oh, geez. Um, I guess while we're on the top of the Blackhawks, I asked this earlier. And the, uh, the Blackhawks, I, man. Uh, um, I chimed in on a Blackhawks. That's surprise. Um, how do I word this um, to not be disappointed? Because I know where you're going to go with this, Clark. Um, what's the chances of seeing Jonathan Taves this year? I have no idea. I have no idea. Oh, perfect. I really don't I, know. I like that answer. What yeah, do you think, I, Alan? Don't I? I have no idea. Oh, by the way, James's phone died. He figured he spoke oh. his part. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't know, uh, Alan. I'll let you jump in here, but I have not heard a single thing about Jonathan Taves since that whole story came out. I haven't heard a report. I haven't seen a tweet. Um, I haven't seen anything. So there was okay. Um, no, neither. Because um, during a show, it seems like forever ago. Um, I, t- I I think it was a text I sent into the the text line or it was a message and yeah. RP had mentioned it and he said whether it's mental health whether whether it's whatever people go through mental health and um, anytime I've got a mental health issue I've go to Rob Peterson because um, I'm gonna give a shout out what people listening if you got any issues mental health he does a great show every Wednesday each month mental health talks about recovery. There's a recovery hour, amazing individual, um, and he just happens to have a. An, uh, this guy deserves an Emmy award winning. Uh, it does each every day. He's it's a Emmy award winning show. So I hope I'll take. Um, they gave it to Rod. They gave it Emmy to like yeah. Rod, yeah. Rod Black's probably got an Emmy. Uh, Darren Millard's got an Emmy. Gemini isn't in Canada. Darren Dreger has an Emmy. So come on, guys, get your get your votes in. Rod Peterson deserves an Emmy. Uh, probably, they'll, they'll win the Saskies. He's obviously not listening, so I'm pumping his tires for no good reason. But anyways, yeah. back to my point. Um, to, to Brian Bickle, it seems like speculation has it when 
Taves came out, he might be going through the same thing Bickle did. He yeah. kind of had that lethargic thing, lethargic uh, n- n- uh, kind of feel to him, and um, maybe th- maybe that's what the maybe that's what he has. People that cover the Blackhawks that were part of this podcast tonight, um, and Patrick Sharp is also mentioned too. Like he doesn't know what's going on, and Patrick Sharp's played with played yeah. with Taves, and he's you know. Um, even, you know, we're close. You, you've had Brent Sopel on, Clark, and I I talked to Brent off and on. I'm, I'm actually good friends with Brian Campbell, um, and he hasn't said much either. So it's a it's a pretty – he's being uh, – he probably knows what's going on, but he's really just um, allowing Taves to have his privacy what, you know, what – Yeah, uh, I would – He's, I would he's entitled to that privacy, right? Oh, absolutely. And I would guess that even if a lot of those guys knew, they wouldn't tell you. It seems like kind of the scenario where, you know, it's a brotherhood and, and they're looking out for him too. So, yeah, every, that's the last thing I heard about it was Brian Bickle coming out and saying, you know, that's kind of what I was going through when I had MS and I didn't know I had an MS yet. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, Brian Bickle did play again. Uh, I believe he played after that all happened, but it wasn't the same Brian Bickle. Uh, so you're looking at Jonathan Taves, who was already, well, he had a couple really good production years, but he was already kind of on his way down uh, overall. So if you're looking at that and you're looking at Jonathan Taves coming back, like he's going to be the shell of what Jonathan Taves was. Um, so you can't, I, I, we'll see what comes out. I hope it's not that. I hope it's something else that he can. He can come to terms with or fix or whatever it happens to be. Um, but in terms of the Blackhawks this year, uh, wow. Uh, Patrick Kane deserves MVP talk right now. Uh, the the team, the guys who have come up, Pius Suter, like who heard of that guy before this year? Um, there's a Kurashev on there that I had never heard of before this year, at least not that I had known that I had heard about. Uh, like, all sorts of guys just popping up out of the woodwork for the in the forward group. Uh, they deserve a lot of credit, and what? And I they got no, is, they got no cap space. Well, they they're got eight, no cap space, eight. but <laughs> but they just put like twelve million dollars on LTIR because Seabrook and Shaw and I, Zach Smith are all on yep. LTIR. And so and as we. As we talk right now, they have thirty million dollars sitting up in the press box eating popcorn. They got they got yeah. Shaw, they got Shaw, they've got Seabrook on long term. Um, actually, as we talk about the Blackhawks, I got a, uh, we had an interesting conversation earlier. Um, but you've got Seabrook, you've got Shaw. Shaw's got some concussion problems. Um, they did lose Crow, but he's not part of the equation. He, but like like you said. Uh, like, look at these guys: Ryan Carpenter, Matthias Janmark. Was he? He was a former National Predator, I believe. Uh, uh, Dallas, Dallas, wasn't it? Was he with Dallas last year? Okay, Dallas. okay. Uh, Dylan, too, Dylan Stroms, Dylan Stroms, her uh, Kubalik, uh, Debrinket, Patrick Kane's having a having an MVP season. Debrinket, look at look look at too. look at the guys that you look like: Hagel, Kurashev, Matthew Highmore. Right. Um, he's from Nova Scotia, right? Yeah. Um, actually, I've been, yeah, I've been actually, I've been actually talking about him. Uh, talking, not talking about him. Um, he's actually from Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Um, he, hopefully, to get him on the OI someday. But um, 
Anyways, he's kind of playing hockey right now. It's not really available. But anyways, uh, Keith, Keith <laughs> DeHaan. Keith, yeah, he's not doing much. Anyway, so uh, Keith DeHaan, uh, Connor Murphy, played. he's playing very, really good. Came over from Phoenix. Uh, Zad, Zadroff came over from the Columbus, or excuse me, the Colorado Avalanche in the um, the sod trade. Um, in Mitchell and Boquist. Um but interesting topic because I had Nick Robertson at the beginning of the year. His 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 uh, season had just gone south. He's I think his season's pretty much done. Um, you you may see him as a Toronto Maple Leaf, but really hard to see him play in the playoffs where he doesn't hasn't really um, gelled with the team. But um, interesting topic today. A lot of people now have. Kevin Lankinen as in their top three for rookies. So right now you got Kaprizov, Lankinen, um, and Stutzel. Yeah, and Stutzel. Thank you. And um, well, what the like? I'm I'm gonna have Kyle Hall on, who's on the Broadway Hat podcast, um, probably shortly because I want to get a uh, get a um, U.S. and Lafreniere update. But man, what a what a what a stinker that was to have. Uh, Lafreniere be the number one pick in the league, and then you know got a couple goals. And it's interesting. I watched him the other night, and he led the team in hits. <laughs> when you got like when you got like guys on the team over six foot two, six foot four, and you got a guy, you know, it'd be really hilarious if, when Snyder if Snyder was playing. Brent, and that's another rant I'd like to get on some other day. Why the heck did Toronto pick uh, Roman Namiroff in the in the draft? Um, it looked like uh, Dubas was tickled pink when he made that that announcement. Um, but I think they went should have went with Snyder, Prince Albert kid. Um, I am. Um, it's I interesting, interesting story. Um, I was going to get into story time earlier, but Mark Habscheid last well seems like twenty years ago when they had the last Memorial Cup, but it happened to be in Halifax, and Mark Habscheid was here. Yep. And I had I had an interesting conversation. Uh, Prince Albert, Guelph, Halifax, uh, Narandaranda, and well, there's, there's four teams. I can't remember the other one. Um, Prince Albert got rolled. Who were yeah. they? Yeah. The first the first night, I actually this is before Prince Albert lost. Um, I talked to Mark Habscheid just to get a feeling for like Snyder and a bunch of other guys, and yeah, like you know these. I project this guy going to the Leafs, or I project this guy going to this team. Then Dubas turns around and says, uh, with their uh, eighth pick, we chose Roman Namiroff. Like, I'm like, okay. Like, um, like, why doesn't Toronto, like, why did, why doesn't Toronto think it's okay to pick Snyder? I think they should have picked Snyder. So I know when. Snyder's on the Brandon Wheat Kings, but he's from Prince Albert. Um, yeah, but I was talking to Mark Habscheid about Caden him. Caden Cooley was I, the other guy yeah. who's from the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, but I know. here's yeah. the thing about that draft class is that Braden Schneider, like, I saw him. I worked for the Pats. I saw him for a couple of years. Yeah. He was always good, uh, physical, but yeah. he's, not, he, he's not amazing. Uh, you know, really? Okay. Like, he's good, and he'll he'll probably get better. 
uh, and he'll watch. Now he'll probably become like the next Drew Doughty or something stupid. But um, you know, he's... well, Mac- McAvoy looks like the next uh, Drew Doughty. So. Sure, I'll take that. Um, but here's what I've heard about Rodion Amarov, and it's Rodion, not Roman. Just uh, so, so you're aware. Sorry, all good. I still haven't figured out how to pronounce Babarinov yet. So, <laughs> actually, I'm joking. It's Babar. Oh, never mind. I thought I Barabanov. Yeah, yeah. One guy uh, you should reach out to or, or follow is uh, Joel Henderson. We've had him on the Squadcast three times, I think. Now, um, you can find him on Twitter at Dat Hockey Doe. He's one of my favorite guys. Uh, he's a big Flames guy, but he does prospects. That's his thing. <laughs> So we, I specifically asked him, I'm like, okay, what the heck's going on with this Rodion Amarov? And he said, uh, if he's not Zach Hyman or better within three years, then the Leafs have done something wrong in developing him. And I said, oh, okay, I like that pick now. <laughs> That's well, there you go. There you go, Alan. There's your, uh, there's your Zach Hyman. We'll yeah. just call, uh, right, call That's it. all it took for me to like the guy. So, um, you know, it's hard to predict what Russians are going to do. And, and you yeah. have to look at his stat line. Uh, if you pull up his hockey DB or his elite prospects, I think elite prospects is a little better in this case because mm-hmm. uh, they have more of the Russian leagues in there. So last year, which was his draft year, uh, I'm not talking about the weird year. Uh, yeah, I guess it was the weird year. But um, he played like 20 games or something in the KHL, which is the highest league in Russia. Or maybe it was less than that. And I think he had like two assists. So everyone's like, oh, what the heck? Like two assists? That's terrible. But they never play 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds in that league. They purposely don't because they're trying to play the older guys because that league is driven to win. They don't care about developing. They don't care about developing a kid who's going to go and leave and go and play in the NHL. Uh, they care about the guys who are there and the guys that they're paying money to play. Uh, so Amarov was the least of their worries to play. But when he went back down, and it's not on every single stats board. That's why I said go to Elite Prospects to see it. Um, but he went down to their junior league, which is, I think, called the VHL or the MHL. There's a few yeah, leagues. No, you're right. Hard, I'm, I'm, on elite, I'm on Elite uh, right now, and he's got three goals in three games. So. Yeah. So I think last year, I think he had 12 games or something, and he got like 17 points or 14 points in the junior league, which is the league you need to worry about in terms of playing against your peers. Uh, So uh, all the reports were that, oh, he got two points in 20 games or whatever it was. But the real story is that he had over a point per game in the actual junior league. And, you know, he's apparently a nasty guy. He forechecks hard. And so, to me, it just screams Zach Hyman. And that's what Joel said. So, that's perfect. And if that's the guy they get, they just they just drafted a top six winger. And we don't even know about it. Uh, whereas, Braden Schneider, uh, maybe he takes five, six years to develop into what he's going to end up being. And if he turns into uh, a Justin Hall or a Jake Muzzin, maybe. Or, like, a, I don't know who it would be even. But... You're looking at a third-pairing guy, maybe, probably, maybe a second-pairing guy. But that's going to take five or six years to happen, whereas Amarov could be in the lineup in two, three years, and he could be a next Zach Hyman when Zach Hyman leaves. It's hard to say, but uh, I'll leave that one up to the drafting experts. <laughs> no, I like I like what Philip Hellander's doing, too. That, too, he's, he's a good one. Uh, so that you have to remember, too, that was a throw-in for the uh, Kapanen trade, and uh, he's probably, hopefully, going to be end up being the best player in that trade. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be with the Leafs, though. It yeah. might be a trade piece. I don't know. Move over, Kierford. I like his number in 45 games. He's got 22 points. Yeah, and that's <laughs> not easy again in Sweden. Uh, they're a little bit better with developing. 
Sorry. They're, yeah, he's I'm, a little bit better at developing in Sweden. But yeah, uh, and uh, Victoria uh, Mikhail Abram. Abramoff is playing with Quebec, the, the playing in the Quebec League in Victoria Tigre. So it'll be, it'll be exciting too. But yeah, yeah, he's, he's interesting. He's weird. Uh, I don't know about him. We'll see. I wouldn't hold your breath for Abramoff to make the lineup. No, but uh, oh well. So what's the what's the schedule look like this week? We um, I wanted to get into the schedule. We got we got Winnipeg. The next three, um, then Ottawa. Yeah, let's. We want Ottawa sooner than later, I guess. Yeah, these but next hey, three games are going to be the make or break. I really do believe that. Uh, it's going to be uh, very telling, one way or the other, either for Toronto or Winnipeg, and uh, we're going to see uh, a lot of questions either answered or left unanswered, and that's going to determine, I think, what they do with trades. And yep. if they're having trouble scoring, maybe we see them go out and get the forward. But I really think this this next three games is going to be 